Culture Stories, everyone, for another week of superhero serials. Get excited. My name is Ryan Ritter. I got Jimmy McShane on the line. Jimmy, how you doing this fine day? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Uh, feeling a little blue. Red, white, and blue. Oh, no. Yeah, well, no, no, no. It's not because of any sort of, uh, you know, I wasn't bit by a scarab or anything. Uh, no, just Jesus. feeling patriotic. Yeah, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. We'll cut all this. Don't worry. Um, yeah, uh, we're here to talk about the, the 1944 film serial Captain America, part of our bigger series, uh, our tribute to the uh, old superhero serials, sort of a, a primer for the history of the superhero film genre in general. And uh, this is a fun one. You know, I think this is, you know, we, we covered uh, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, Green Hornet and stuff like that. Characters that still have some relevance to today and are still circulated uh, either in the trades or in film, TV shows and stuff. This is the first one that feels like a major cornerstone character, at least over the last 10 years with the rise of the MCU. Right. Uh, so th- this was kind of exciting. Had a film trilogy and a TV series of, kind of connected to, I guess, the legacy of the, of the hero. And yeah, so he's... He's a pretty popular, probably more popular now than he's ever been, I would guess. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, kind of the, I say last 10 years, really more five or six. I remember, um, this is not a, this is not a episode about Captain America, the first Avenger. But I remember when that movie came out, uh, I, I quite liked it, but some people still kind of like the character silly and, you know, the first Avengers movie kind of leans into the character kind of being old fashioned and. Kind of but I, I feel like it was more uh, Winter Soldier that kind of took the character off for like this new. I feel like it was a combination of the Avengers and Winter Soldier, because um, he he really worked well. I mean, because obviously that was a really popular movie when it when it came out and still still is the Avengers. But I mean, the, he was he was kind of he and Tony really the lead of that movie. I would say. Mm-hmm. And then that also kind of launched Winter Soldier, which probably more so because that was his own thing. But I, I would say the combination of the two is when the character kind of really took off as far as popularity currently goes. I mean, yeah. he's always been a, he's always been well liked by Marvel fans, I would say, but not necessarily by the general public. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because the character. Uh, just to give a little bit of background, I feel like there's less to talk about because this the serial shows up pretty quickly, you know, relative to the character's debut and you know publication. Uh, the character debuted in 1941. That famous uh, cover of right you know, Captain America punching Adolf Hitler in the face. Um, <laughs> uh, the character was pretty popular pretty immediately. Um, a creation of Joe, of Joe Simon's and Jack Kirby's, of course. Right. Well, and of course, he has a pretty well-known origin story at this point. He's a he was a sickly, sickly man who was kind of kind of scrawny, and they inject him with a super soldier serum, and he becomes big and buff and super powerful, and you know, enhanced speed, enhanced strength, and he takes on this mantle, and he and his sidekick Bucky go and fight the Nazis and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the serum gets destroyed, so he's the only one. Right. And uh, he, technically speaking, I, I think, you know, he wasn't like the first patriotic themed superhero. Uh, many people uh, kind of zero in on a character from the year before called The Shield. Uh, no relation to the Michael Chiklis series, of course, although uh, <laughs> crossover. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, he pretty quickly became like the predominant patriotic themed superhero and uh, was pretty popular all the way through World War II. Uh, popularity kind of waned after that. And there were a lot of copycat characters. But right. uh, Captain America kind of stood as uh, the most popular one. And of course, a decade, you know, a decade or so after World War II ended, he would get revived. Uh, pretty famously, that's where we get that the aspect of uh, being frozen in ice to this origin story it was revived for uh, a new team called the Avengers, uh, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody paying attention to the movies or the the comics over the years. 
So, so it was, course, <laughs> you know, I we I came in with some some expectations here. Uh, you know, this is a character I'm familiar with, and the Phantom and Shazam, who I was also familiar with, Daigley. Those movies met my expectations more or less about what to expect, and so I'm looking forward to Steve Rogers fighting some Nazis. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was a lot of fun firing up the cereal and meeting up with our old friend, uh, everyone at home say it with me now, Grant Gardner, district attorney. <laughs> uh, yeah, this yeah, was not at all, like, this was such a curveball for me. Like, yeah, let, yeah, let's just get, let's just address the elephant in the room. Um, yeah. No element that we discussed here is present here. No, no Bucky. Uh, even i mean we're in the middle of world war ii when the serial's going and while we haven't gotten a lot of references to the war since it started like there was actually a bunch of like serials where they kind of talked about the about war and you know uh war bonds like that but that was before pearl harbor it wasn't all the ones that we've watched after pearl harbor have not mentioned it at all right uh I can't think of anything. I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, there was there, there was one that kind of, well, I guess the, the Phantom sort of was World War II. That's true. It was, with, it was uh, I, Doctor. Uh, they, yeah. It was implied. That's true. That's true. Because they were making a, a, a runway for, for yeah. yeah, what was pretty clearly Germany. Okay, that's true. That's a good point. But that's it. I mean, otherwise... There's nothing, and here you have this patriotic themed superhero who's kind of the personification of America, and you know, pretty blatantly political in the comic pages. Again, yeah, I mean, Adolf Hitler in the face, like they make no bones about it. And he's like, I believe in the comics in the '40s, he's like with the military. He's in Europe. He's not in America fighting crime. No. So. <laughs> I mean, they yeah, even changed his is- name. That that surprises. I mean, Grant Gardner. Grant Gardner. Yeah, I mean, um, not the same dude at all. No, yeah, so no shield. He's not super-powered, really, in any way. He walks around with a gun most of the time. Yeah, he, um, he likes to shoot people. <laughs> uh, which kind of brings me to my first point. Um, if you were, if, uh, if you were going to do, like, a satirical, like, dark, cynical, alternate reality version of the Captain America character, I don't think it would have come across any... I don't think you would have tweaked it any differently than this. You have a... Absolutely not. You basically have a prosecutor running around just shooting people extrajudiciously under the, <laughs> under the guise of it being for the good of America. Well, yeah, he, he decides who's guilty. He goes, lays a trap for him, kicks the shit out of him, and sometimes kills him. Yeah, you were shocked. I remember you being just like bowled away by how blatantly Captain Marvel killed people. Yeah. At least then you can kind of sit there and go like, well, he's kind of this weird kid and doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, Grant Gardner is an adult who is very aware of what he's doing and does it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to talk about how the serial ends? Uh, yeah, go for it. I mean, so, so this whole thing, they're, they're chasing the scarab and they're trying to find out who this scarab <laughs> guy is. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and it turns out it's his doctor who they all know and we actually know this the whole time. We can we can get into that. Yeah. Um, but at the final, at the, at the end, Captain America realizes who he is and captures him. And it ends with him literally getting the death penalty. <laughs> like, like he's going to die when, when the church bells ring and then like <laughs> church bells ring up like, and then it just and so you <laughs> Yeah, and they they try to make a solemn moment out of it to like, yeah. uh, you know, when the church bells ring, uh, justice will be served. And look out Wait, the window. Midnight too. Like we don't even in places that have the death penalty still, they don't kill people at midnight. No, they do it like, hey, it's seven seventeen. That's that's when we have it scheduled. Like, yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, I thought it was very weird. They looked out the window to look at the clock striking midnight, and it cut the stock footage of Big Ben, which I thought was very odd. Yeah, um, I didn't get that either. I wasn't ma- sure. Major curveball there. They've, <laughs> they've, they've been they've been in London this entire time. Um, yeah. Now there is a reason for. I, I don't think there's a reason for the uh, 
the insane portrayal of the justice system outside of um, they didn't think yeah, about it. They I'm didn't think about that way. I'm not a lawyer, but none of this would have held up in court, right? Like there that would have like, been great if there was a chapter 16 of, hey, uh, Grant Gardner ruined this case. Like, <laughs> None of the evidence we got when Captain America was involved was admissible. Not so, at all. Not at all. Uh, but, uh, so there is sort of a reason, and uh, the, the insane differences on display here did not go unnoticed by uh, Timely Comics, which was the name of what would become the Marvel Comics group by the 60s. Uh, they sent, <laughs> they, they apparently had sent a letter with, along with some sample pages to Republic. Uh, the people behind this serial also did uh, Captain Marvel and a slew of other things. Um, I think this is the second Republic serial we've talked about on this, mm-hmm. on this series. Mm-hmm. Basically saying, we don't, this is clearly not Captain America. This is, this is nothing like the character we created. Like, please adjust this and please stop. Like, his name is, his name is Steve Rogers. He certainly doesn't shoot a gun. <laughs> and Republic basically replied back and said, ah, but the pages you showed doesn't show that he can't use a gun, <laughs> that he has to be Steve Rogers. <laughs> and basically said, F off, I made it anyway. Um, well, well, what are they going to do, I guess? Uh, nothing. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, they don't. Uh, it's been it's it, it's been theorized. There's no proof one way or the other. Um, film historians Jim Harmon and Don Glut uh, theorized that this might have been a, a a sequel at one point to the previously referenced mysterious Doctor Satan. Uh, mm. Started a superhero named the Copperhead himself, sort of a ripoff of Superman. Uh, it also might have been a script featuring a uh, kind of obscure character named Mister Scarlet, who was also a DA. Um, and at some point, uh, Republic got the got a hold of the rights to Captain America and just Jimmy rigged their scripts to being about Captain America, whether or not it had anything to do with the character. And this is kind of the result. Hmm. Uh, that makes sense because there's no other possible explanation. Yeah, because uh, there's no way they like said, "Oh, I want Captain America," and then made the serial. I mean, it makes sense because <laughs> they already had this. And then they're Fellas, like, we did it. Crap, we don't have a we don't have the rights to the character, and mm-hmm. they just like got the next most popular one they could afford and made it put slapped his name on it. Yeah, well, I think I think some other things um, kind of point to this in publicity stills of Dick Purcell with the shield, which mm-hmm. had to have been which had to have been done after this was filmed. Right, it has to be. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they kind of realized that we got to kind of sell this as more like the comic character, even though they weren't going to change anything. So I, I'm sure once it's in the can, you can't afford to go back right. at all, really. Now, I mean, being, it, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. So that all being said, um, I kind of liked this. What did you think of it? You know, it was... Um, I, I try and enjoy things for what they are. Yeah. It was it was it was a difficult mental hurdle to kind of get past so just just because it just wasn't the, it wasn't the character at all. It was also the the other mental hurdle I had for this one too is I guess in these past couple of serials we started to get some variety. You know, I, I felt like I felt like the the superhero serials were getting better, and this one felt like it was just we were back to the spider again. Sure. Um, so while, while I didn't necessarily dislike it and, and as it got, I, maybe I liked the second half better because the first half I was just kind of like, what is this? What is, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that, that's kind of my disappointment. Not only was it not Captain America to me, it was just like, oh, there's just a spider again. Like this is going to be the one, two, like the, the sixth version of this story we've yeah. seen or you know already you know uh and so i it was it was hard for me to get into just based on kind of the, the disappointment factor i i kind of wish i had known going in that this was not captain america yeah. and anything but but name and somewhat outfit yeah i i, I sort of i sort of had a clue again i didn't realize it was going to be just like nothing at all I, I I I had a clue that it was not going to be. This is not going to be like the first Avenger in serial form. Um, after the the first the first episode, 
concerned me because, you know, the plot doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's another one of those yeah. people go on an expedition and they bring back like some ancient jewel and uh, a masked villain wants it. Look, yeah. we're not going to break it all down. But um, mm-hmm. the first episode leans pretty heavily on this. And like, there's, mm-hmm. there's like a mysterious gas or poison brought forth by the scarab. And I'm like, oh no, here we go again with, like, as you said, here's the spider. Uh, he's going to talk to his six friends who are all captains of industry, any one of which could be the scarab. Um, and then something happened towards the end of the first episode that kind of, I thought, constituted enough of a change of format for me that I was kind of able to enjoy this as just like an action romp. Because I think when you look at it on those terms, I agree with you. This is not a Captain America story. But as a Grant Gardner story, I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it kind of worked. Um, and like the goofiness of like the disconnect between Steve Rogers and Grant Gardner kind of worked for me. And the uh, turning point was that um, one of like the one of the doctor characters, the curator of a museum, and a prime, you know, one of the candidates that could be the scarab just says, "I'm the scarab." It's me. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It, it did add a, that. Did add a lot to it. Because at least um, then you get you get to play with some dramatic irony that we know something that the characters don't know. Right. Which kind of presents some writing opportunities of you know they're at they ask you know what's the I agree what's I the agree. character's name? Uh, I don't remember the. It's a doctor. I don't remember. I actually remember Let's his see. name. The doctor, Doctor Maldor. Doctor Maldor, okay, yeah. Uh, played by uh, Lionel Atwill. Um, yeah, they, they they go to him pretty often for uh, for help. Right, they do. As a character, you go, as an audience member, you go, "Oh no, don't trust him." I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Although you um, know, at a certain point, I mean, uh, this this is kind of the 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 downside of doing this. After a while, you got to be like. Why are they trusting anybody? Because, like I said, it was this expedition, and then people from this expedition keep, keep dying, right? Right. So you, at a certain point, you got to be like, well, you shouldn't trust anybody from this expedition. Why do you keep going to this guy? <laughs> so she's in the psych. How come he didn't die? Yeah. I mean, and so, and so early, I agree. I agree. It, revealing who the villain was did add a lot to it. Certainly better than, than you know, the spider and stuff like that and mandrake and keeping a secret and, and frankly the the only serial that really got like the secret villain right in my opinion was was shazam captain marvel oh sure uh so i agree that added a lot and it added like some, some irony and it was, it was nice to have a capable villain i think yeah he was he was pretty on top of things um <laughs> I did like it. I'm stepping on your point, but you had a point about kind of the secret identities of um, the characters. But um, it, it seemed like Dr. Maldor was kind of on top of figuring out who our hero was pretty early on. I love that. Okay, I did I did genuinely enjoy that because it was super freaking obvious. And and so, like, he, he connected the easy dots. Like, hmm, every time this DA gets involved, Captain America shows up. Well, either they're the same person or they're working together. And it's like, yes, that is the <laughs> obvious logical conclusion. And the first time we actually had someone make it. And they made it pretty early on, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, it wasn't like the last, I think maybe halfway through, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't his, quite remember exactly when, but. Yeah, one of his henchmen goes like, oh, uh, it seems like Captain America might be working for Grant Gardner. And he's, Dr. Maldor is like, no, he is Captain America. Yeah, he is, he, he is yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And they, again, the more they act like actual human beings, I mean, again, they're not. This is a district attorney mm-hmm. who wears a costume, but you know, they meet us a little bit half, you know, halfway or even a quarter of the right. way. It goes a long mm-hmm. way to join sure. you know, the experience. Mm-hmm. Although something I do think is interesting is we've gotten away now with these past three serials from the superheroes being seen as as bad guys by the public within the within the serial. Yeah, right? that's true. Uh, you know, Spider, I don't remember about Mandrake, I don't think anyone would care about him, but <laughs> oh, Green Hornet, right? They were all like 
menaces to society by the, the police considered them and they were trying to find them and stuff like that. Here is literally the DA. Like, like, yeah. like literally, I mean, and, and like, and even early on, like the police commissioner was like, man, I really wish Captain America would come back to help us out with this. <laughs> Although in retrospect, he probably knew he was talking to Captain America when he said that. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, in a way, he is he is the law, um, which also makes the character kind of ominous yeah, in no, a way that they don't mean to. Completely awkward. This is why you don't typically have superheroes who are literally law enforcement because it gets because the the idea is they do things the law can't because the law has to play by the rules. Right. Nope, not here. He just, yeah. <laughs> he just does what the hell he wants and is. <laughs> <laughs> Like you would uh, think, if you were Doctor Maldor and you kind of figured it out, wouldn't you almost like blow the like blow the whistle and leak that to the press? Like, yeah, I mean, would, I, wouldn't, I that, think wouldn't that end everything? Apparently not, because they find out at the end. Like everyone knows he's Captain America at the end. Like it gets out, and everyone's okay with it. Everyone's he, like, yeah, he's nice. still a DA. Oh, yeah, Maldor still being killed by lethal injection or electric hair, <laughs> or however he got killed. <laughs> I mean, there were no negative consequences to everybody finding out that Gardner was Captain America. So why was it even a secret to begin with? I know, I know, we already talked about it, but I just, I think it's hard to overstate to people who hadn't watched this just how strange that final scene is. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a little like one of those like Law and Order episodes where like everyone convenes at the end to talk about the case that just happened and like how well they did. <laughs> or or like an emotional episode of Law and Order, right? And, yeah, where they're like, yeah. man, we finally got him. Uh, they're all drinking right. scotch or something. But this is but it's Captain America, and they, they put <laughs> someone to, to death. Yeah, it's so literally. strange. <laughs> well, and not only did like like Captain America didn't even like kill him, like the justice system did. Based on like, like it was like a jump forward in time because like he gets arrested. The next thing is I'm talking about like, oh yeah, he's about to die. <laughs> it makes you wonder. I mean, again, and it's so against the ethos of the Steve Rogers character that it just becomes bizarre and almost ghoulish. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I I really I really think he's the nail on the head. This does feel like a dark, cynical, satirical version of Captain America. Of, but, uh, but this is presented with no irony. They weren't. They, no, they weren't, there's no get, irony they weren't kidding. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's just it, it was, and that kind of made it. So even though it was a little rote compared to the last couple of weeks, I think where I had trouble with the Phantom, maybe because I wasn't as familiar with the character, I didn't realize he was just a guy in spandex who lived in the jungle, and I couldn't get past that for a while. <laughs> Here, I'm just like, okay, this is nothing. This is not a Captain America serial. I'm just watching something that stole the name. And I was kind of able to... That bizarreness kind of helped jump up a couple of notches for me as opposed to detractive. Yeah. But one's mileage may vary. <laughs> I think for many uh, people... There's... I think if I went, went in knowing this was going to be just like a character I, I never knew before, I yeah. probably wouldn't have had the same reaction. I still probably would have thought he was hilarious uh, as far as like being a DA and also being a mass vigilante um, because we... <laughs> it's dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, Daredevil, at least Daredevil's not part of the government. Like, he's a private attorney. Right. You don't, I think there's a reason why you don't often see, you know, even when um, superheroes are part of the justice system. It might be a little precious. I think sometimes it even comes off a little bit in Daredevil. They're usually, they're always on the side of the defense. Right. Um, you know, and more pointedly, even though I don't think this is something that one could do in real life, it's always, I only, I only defend people I know are innocent. <laughs> well, Which yeah. is, it's, I don't know how you prove that, but still, I think that's, I think you have to establish that in a, in a complex yeah. setting. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, uh, dis I don't know very many uh, people who were, and I don't, don't know many lawyers, but I've always got kind of got the deal, like, defense attorneys don't, like, most of them, anyways, aren't, like, trying to get guilty people free. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe some of them, but most of them aren't. 
most of them are just trying to represent their client. If that means getting a plea deal and getting them in jail, like that's justice mm-hmm. to them, you know? So yeah, I agree. Was, this whole... In a way, there's all, yeah, we're getting into a whole philosophical argument, but in a way, something to be said for a defense attorney, like I, I defend obviously guilty people because they still deserve the right to defense. <laughs> right. And I mean, as long as they're not like trying to get them scot-free, right? I mean, that, that would be the only... Right. It, it's never right. like, hey, I'm trying to get like this guy who, you know, decapitated 20 people, like just off the, you know, <laughs> back, back home. It just mm-hmm. you know, make sure he doesn't get railroaded. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So Daredevil, uh, get off your high horse, I guess is what we're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to transition to talking about both the, the character himself, how he compares the past uh, superhero leads? Do we want to pivot to talking about our leading man and leading lady? Uh, well, we've kind of already talked about um, how he compares to other heroes, but we can finish that up if you want, because uh, he's definitely very much in the vein of the spider, I think. Yeah. Here, um, I mean, obviously not uh, the same crazy costume and not no patchy or anything like that, but yeah, he's, you know, he kind of figures things out, and he, I guess one difference with him is he, this Captain America, or I should say Gardner, tries to set traps for the villains more so than I think other characters did. Sure. Or at least, you know, I don't remember there being like Home Alone style traps, but he will set up like scenarios where uh, bad guys can kind of trip themselves up. Right. And reveal themselves in ways that they wouldn't have. Um, yeah, again, a comfortable with comfortable with just rocking a pistol every once in a while. That's um, true, but, yeah, but of course like we, can, we saw that with with the Phantom, we saw that with the Spider. Did the Shadow use a, a pistol ever? I'm trying to remember. God, the Phantom had two pistols, as I recall. Phantom had two pistols, but oddly enough, Phantom rarely used them. No. He, 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 he used them more to, like, threaten people than he actually, like, ever fired them, I think. And this is another thing. Again, I'm just thinking about, like, for all the problems with the Phantom, at least they leaned into the uh, setting that you were given with the character. So it was more jungle theme, like there was more animals attacking and, you know, mm-hmm. right. dogs coming to the rescue. Than the... <laughs> so it is sort of a detriment. If Captain America had been like a true Captain America story, you could have had like a war story. Like, they could have gone all in on this. They could have just made all the bad guys like just like, you know, just super German and like. Yeah, like not like he could have been trying to stop a Nazi who was trying to, like yeah. that, that's what I was expecting. Yeah, um, not yeah, not, not this. this. Um, right, and so yeah, basically what we have here is another version of the Green Hornet. You know, Green Hornet was in the press, but you still have the situation where the Green Hornet would go investigate something, try to figure out what's going on, and and then kind of get embroiled in it. Where with Captain America, his style was more because like Green Hornet didn't really get into too many fights. He just used that gas gun of his. Whereas right. Yeah. Captain America here, he gets in a fight, and I also felt like, com- compared to some other heroes, we got Captain America kind of got. He didn't hold his own as well as other heroes did. I didn't think. I- I'm sorry, I-, I didn't quite catch that. He didn't. That- he didn't hold his own. Like he kind of got beat up a lot. I think he got knocked out. Like yeah. A- he wasn't adept of, as adept of a fighter as uh, certainly the Spider, but even like Mandrake, I think could have taken. Cap in a fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is sad to say because Mandrake is one of the weeniest <laughs> superheroes we've covered <laughs> on this series. Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah, I also agree that there's formatically there's connections between um, Grant Gardner, I refuse to call him Captain America at this point, um, and uh, the Green Hornet, and that they would kind of like reconvene him and his. Uh, you know, him and his uh, helpers would like kind of reconvene halfway through and kind of like talk about the, like the next mission mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit, which, right. which is always kind of nice. Um, I don't, I, 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 the argument between what is serialization and what is standalone, I think is mostly a matter of how you spin it. But this, these episodes did feel a little bit more episodic than um, others. I feel like they, right. drop, they don't drop the, the scarab thing, but I feel like it's less a point of emphasis as you go along. It is. Yeah, I mean, they it, it kind of like the Scarab does this, and then he moves on to Scarab, tries to do that. 
Right. It, it, get, it does feel like things carry over more, though. Like the whole, like, bringing some guy back from the dead. That one lasted a couple episodes, I thought. Oh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> and so I, you know, we can talk about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, just a lot, lot of goofy tech in this. Which, uh, which yeah. I actually liked. I, I mean, I, I, I like what, because these severe heroes outside of Captain Marvel have not been particularly like fantasy, sci-fi, you know, no, not a lot of, uh, not since, I mean, obviously we got that in Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, but starting with the serial, the, the spider, there hasn't been much like supernatural or sci-fi elements to these stories. They've mostly just been bad guys being mobsters or, you know, yeah. A greedy guy who's trying to get who went on expedition, you know. Uh, they 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 had outside of Captain Marvel, there's been no superpowers. There's been no. There's been not a lot of like sci-fi, except for like what we got here with the Scarab. I mean, you had a gas that could kill you, make you tell the truth. You know, there was a the gas, the gas that could turn you into a mummy. Yeah, that could turn you into a mummy, a ray that could bring people back from the dead as long as they weren't dead for too long. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff. That I, so I do like that they're bringing that, because that's something I do like about superhero m- movies and the genre. Yeah. And I would say those elements made this feel the closest to an actual Captain America story than anything else. Because, you know, even in the movies, um, you know, even like the first movie, which is relatively grounded, I suppose. You know, they're still like they still deal with like the Tesseract and like goofy, you know, goofy Red Skull technology and stuff. And I feel like it's like something kind of a staple of the even like even modern day, which has been more really grounded and more like spy thriller kind of stories in the comics and in the movies. You know, goofy right. tech is a is a kind of a staple for Ca- Captain America, and those elements kind of make it okay. This kind of does feel more like what this could have been if it had been like a true cat story. Right. So yeah, totally agreed. Um, Love those elements. Uh, let's talk a little Dick Purcell and Lorna Gray. Um, I like... Yeah. I like Lorna Gray a lot, actually, in this. She was, Gail Richards was one of the better leading ladies we've had, I think. Totally agree. She, she, she knew, uh, it seemed like she knew anyways, what was going on the whole time. And she was an active helper and participant in everything they were doing. Sure. She'd get captured. Um, but, but she still, you know, she was fearless and she still kept doing stuff. And she, she was actually someone who helped the hero instead of being a a hindrance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You pretty, yeah. I had the exact same note. Um, I think you could argue Perhaps she's there's more damsel in distress elements with this character. You know, she gets tied to laser beams and like guillotines and stuff. Yeah, forgot about a guillotine that would uh, uh, either be really fast or really slow depending on <laughs> what needed to happen. Exactly. <laughs> but I would argue. Well, they they got the yeah. the line with varying speeds, Ryan. That's right. Well, you never know when you're going to need it. Sometimes you need a slow-moving guillotine. I'm going to say. So, so yes, um, you know those elements certainly are there more than the past few. But I'd argue that's because she's an active participant in the story, as opposed to you know, she's not, she's, doing she's, things. Yeah, yeah, she's not used as bait or like, you know, come find me, Captain America, or the girl gets it. She's just like, ah, no, she's moving the story forward, and sometimes that means you get strapped to lasers. It happens, you know, like. <laughs> It's part of the job description, right? Yeah. Sometimes you end up getting hit, you know, a box with gas that turns you into a mummy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's great. Um, Lorna Gray, a quick note about her. Um, Well, a quick note about Lorna Gray and a quick note about Gail Richards. Uh, Lorna Gray kind of went through a couple different names through her uh, career. Um, She was pretty much known for Columbia comedy shorts and Republic serials like this. Uh, uh, Lorna Gray was one of her stage names. She was born Virginia Pound and uh, sometimes she went as Adrian. She was, uh, she filmed things as Adrian Booth. 
not, hmm. I don't really know why. I'm sure there's an answer there. Um, uh, but, you know, there you go. There you go. And uh, Gail Richards, the character, uh, actually returned in the Ultimates universe um, as the girlfriend of the Ultimates version of Steve Rogers. That's interesting. Yeah. I, kind of, yeah. I always like when they pull elements from different media and kind of canonize it. Right. You know, now that you mentioned that, because I actually have read a couple Captain, like, Ultimate comics with Captain America, and now that you mention it, yeah. It is, I have seen Gail Richards. I didn't make the connections because I couldn't have told you that character's name off the top of my head, you know, because uh, I read the comic a while ago. But then they, yeah, I think I remember that now. And of course, uh, that version of the ultimate version of Captain America does have some resemblance to this one. So <laughs> He looks just like Dick Purcell. <laughs> um, who I liked. Um kind of had a Warren Hull kind of feel to him kind of like this like yeah. this normal normal guy energy <laughs> I guess maybe yeah he he was just okay I thought I, I would say um I don't know who was who was the best and who was the worst do you think we've had so far because well again I was I, I was a Pretty big fan of Tom Tyler in uh, Captain Marvel. Warren Hall, I wouldn't call like a great, you know, classical actor, but I think he has a winning, charming presence. I think we've just seen a lot of him. We we saw a lot, and of course, our mileage kind of varied with him. Whereas I thought he was great in the Spider. I really like the Spider, and then the Man- Mandrake was so awful. He it, you know, yeah, and I think he did the best he could in that, but it's just, yeah, you know, it kind of put a damper on any Warren Holt enthusiasm. And then he came back for the Green Hornet. He was good in the Green Hornet too. So I, I mean, I like Green Hornet. So I did yeah. like the first guy who did the Green Hornet better. I think. Yeah, I thought he was pretty great, and I always look back to uh, uh, Victor Jory as um, right as the Shadow again, kind of a mediocre mm-hmm. serial. But I thought he himself just looked so interesting. A guy who could probably play villains, cast as the hero. I thought was kind of a interesting way to go about. So yes, I think uh, I think Dick Purcell probably uh, sits somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, of course, you have you have Buster Crab, who um, yeah, um, he was again. I as we go on, I think we realize that um. Perhaps uh, a little hard on old Flash Gordon. I don't right. think Buster Crab is a great actor, but he's certainly no. cer- he's certainly mean, very handsome. I think that's kind of what the job description was. Right. Yeah. Point. You know, he wasn't a super complicated character. He was just kind of a you know, he was an Olympic athlete, and that's just what they wanted for that character. Right. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess I guess I thought Dick Purcell was all right in this, but. Yeah. Definitely on the lower lower end for me, I think. Um, yeah, I would agree, especially in comparison to his, uh, you know, the, Lorna Gray, who I thought popped um, pretty right. clearly, and um, uh, the main villain, who wasn't quite as good as um, the past couple of villains we had, but I still think kind of had like a nice little, you know, snarling little. Mm-hmm. The, the, main, the main problem with the villain here is the stakes never seem super high. I mean, yeah, he murdered people, but like he kind of was just greedy. Like even even <laughs> even at Captain Marvel, where like the whole thing was like a parable about greed, it was still like, oh, if they get this scorpion, like no one should have that much power. It'll you know, be, like there's none of that here. It's just kind of like I want this crystal. I want this device and like, yeah. get it and then Gardner would be like well I've got to catch this murderer you know I mean it was, it was kind of this it was definitely the lowest stakes I feel like we've had so far which is funny because like I feel like the first chapter like goes all in on stakes like mm-hmm. he gets he gets like a whole bunch of people to like like scientists and businessmen to commit suicide <laughs> and then yeah you're right from there it's just like I like I like crystals. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So yeah, not. What am I trying to say? Yeah, I mean, from there it kind of just becomes about finding um, weird tech, like a, the you know, <laughs> not to get too you know, school kid, but, you know, that dynamic vibrator and all this stuff, um, which feels less compelling to me than just hey, he has a way of getting people to kill themselves. <laughs> this feels like a real problem. <laughs> right. Which of course, um, I don't know how you make fifteen cereals about that, but yeah. Well. Uh, you don't, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess is the answer. So yeah, yeah, it's always hard to evaluate things that are neither extremely bad or extremely good, or just kind of like, yeah, they're fine. Mm. Yeah, I had here two out of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, uh, kind of a very sad note about Dick Purcell. Um, he died a few weeks after filming this. That's awful. Yeah, he was. Um, he was just at a country club in LA and just collapsed and died. There's some speculation because he was a little older and um, not to put too fine a point of it, but he didn't necessarily have like a superhero physique. And um, the, the, the the filming was kind of stressful. And uh, there's speculation mm. that um, his heart just gave out due to the stress of filming this thing, which if true would be incredibly sad. Um, yeah, that's awful. But yeah, Dick Purcell, RIP. Um, this was the last thing he ever made, I think. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that's my... That was a dick around things, Jesus. Yeah, so that's my fun fact about uh, Dick Purcell, I guess. Um, yeah. uh, did, did, we, did we cover everything? Is that possible? <laughs> I mean, again, the primary thing about it is also why I think it's hard to recommend and that it's just so wildly not a Captain America story that it's hard to tell people you need to watch this thing because your answer is mm-hmm. why and you go because it's not like Captain America they go <laughs> okay so why am I going to watch it they go, I don't know <laughs> yeah um, that's a good point um, yeah oh, maybe show them the abridged movie version if, if they didn't make one of those for this uh, probably I do know that they um, re-released this kind of towards the end of the character's uh, popularity in the 1953. Um, I don't know that they were recutting things all the time here, because as mentioned, you know, they re-ran the Captain Marvel serial by just you know, doing the 1950s version of a YouTube playlist. They just ran it through with the credits and the <laughs> cliffhangers and the recaps just all on there. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe nothing. Yeah, so I can't speak to what the 53 re-release was. It's possible, because they were still, you know, every once in a while they do, like, you know, TV episode recuts and 100-minute versions. And this this could have benefited from a 100-minute version. Again, 15 to Definitely. long. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I was thinking about how, um, how difficult it must have been to make some of these. Sure. If you, if you think about it. They have 15 minutes to tell a story. They have 15 minutes to tell a story that you have to leave your house and go to the movie theaters to see. And so as a result, you can't expect people to have seen every episode or even... Almost impossible. Even like most of the episodes. So you have to make it to where it's both continues on from the previous one while at the same time being completely understandable to someone who has never seen an episode of it before. You, and you have, to, you have to make the story self-contained, but also connected to a larger story. You have 15 minutes to do this, and you also have to at least save like five minutes for action. Yeah. Again, I think it's easy for us to um, kind of armchair quarterback um, on these and you know that's what makes it funny um so we're not going to sure. stop yeah. but, <laughs> but you're right it's a it's a it's a monumental feat and the biggest comparison I, I'm, I'm certain we've drawn this comparison probably multiple times by now uh the closest thing i could think of to like the style of storytelling where like you're locked into like a set amount of episodes is like netflix series mm-hmm. but at least those it would be like if you only had like one access to one episode a week and the, and the episode away, right? Yeah, if you didn't if you didn't watch them that week, 
like just imagine if we did this now. I mean, I feel like uh, even people with disposable income, um, if we're lucky enough to have that, wouldn't go to the movie theaters every week. I don't think. Like so, you know. <laughs> yeah. So imagine back in the forties when, you know, especially like in the middle of World War Two. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's a monumentally hard thing. Which is why I have to wonder. That's why we're starting to see the transition to like not super serialized. There's elements that run through, but there's kind of a, a there's kind of a reset. Three minutes in, it's like the next thing. So that way, it's like you don't you don't feel totally lost every single right. time. Mm-hmm. And the dynamics have to be basic. Like the characters can't be too complicated. Um, and the character dynamics can't be complicated. Yeah, because right, if you. If you want to throw a lot of subtext in there, then you need context, and you have to assume no one has any context going to the Right. It's an interesting format. Um, mm-hmm. Not and... to see why it died. Yeah, and it, it, we'll kind of get into. Uh, hopefully, we'll get into the uh, kind of the, the death of the format when we wrap this up in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, again, TV started um, becoming mm-hmm. a huger thing, and that kind of freed things up more i mean again uh tv had an element of like you know you watch it when it's live or you miss it forever but at least like the tv's like in the person's house you don't right. have to, like go anywhere and you don't have to pay for it you have to pay for the tv but once you have the tv the right. broadcasts are free and then this is until cable but right you know, that was still a while away and yeah so um and then of course these days everything's recorded you can watch anything at whenever you want so Mm-hmm. Shows can absolutely expect you to be able to have watched every episode, right? So even when they're serialized, like you know, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon were serialized, but not really, not like in the same not way really. that like Breaking Bad was, or you know, no, or Game even of, like Game of Thrones or something, yeah, or even like Doctor Who, the Doctor Who serials we've talked about. I mean, sure. The- are disconnected, but if you were to watch episode three of a serial in Doctor Who, you'd have trouble. You would take a while to figure out exactly what was going on, I think. Right. And I think that's an interesting point of comparison because those are still serials, but they're on TV and from the 60s. So I, I think the Doctor Who way that they wrote those are more eloquent for those reasons. Like, you really are in this run where like, you kind of need to pay attention for the next three to seven or nine weeks um, before you can kind of start over again. But, you know, I, I, I think given all the advantages, maybe not budgetary, um, it's still argue, budget. I, I, I still argue some of these serials are on par with some of the technology on display with Doctor Who, but 30 years earlier. But, um, you know, these serials look better than the Doctor Who serials do, but <laughs> that's because the Doctor Who serials were filmed live with less of a budget. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I think even, like, I hate to get too, you know, frou-frou about this, but, like, you know, even, like, the worst serials are kind of a, an amazing achievement just for getting them out there at all, considering the insane time constraints and format restraints. Um in weird story choices, like uh, giving Cap a gun. <laughs> uh, I feel like studios didn't really start taking making superhero movies seriously until recently, until they saw how much money they can make by being faithful to the source material. And so yeah. that was, you know, 15 years ago, maybe, that, that movie studios actually started doing that. They certainly weren't doing that here in the 40s. Right. No, no <laughs> just, they were just it was property yeah, to make a buck off. It was, it was property like, oh, kids will love to see this guy named Captain America go shoot a bunch of people. And they I don't know I don't know how well the serial did, but Oh, they never made another one. So I, it, I Yeah. But then again, once World War Two ended, um a lot of a lot of the superhero comics and superheroes kind of they were so tied to World War Two that they kinda became less popular as well right so yeah the character probably had another nine nine ten years before kind of fading out and then of course marvel kind of started kicked off the silver age with the fantastic four which kind of led to 
you know, the, not they're not directly, but it kind of brought in the Avengers, and that's kind of when they decided mm-hmm. to revive the character and blah 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 blah. And it kind of had, Captain America kind of has all these different like flashpoints of reinvention. Mm-hmm. Right. Even even all this like Sharon Carter Winter Soldier stuff. That's kind of from the last decade, right? That's not a that's that's not a super old concept. Bucky. No, well, no, because yeah, Bucky was Bucky was killed. In the '60s, I think, and like, well, he's killed in the '40s, but it was a '60s comic that talked about how Bucky died. But then it was, yeah, it wasn't until like 2000s that they actually decided to bring Bucky back as a Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. The Ed Brubaker run, yeah. right? That's kind of where the MCU version kind of ultimately uh, found its voice. Although, mm-hmm. again, not a not a first Avenger episode, but um, I, I'm quite fond of that film. <laughs> I thought. It was a pretty good approximation of the old timey Steve sure. Rogers character. Yeah, and of course we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to it, which we're still a ways away from, I think. Still a ways away from. Um, I think if we stick to the major beats with a few oddballs, I think we can get through. Yeah, this is some behind the scenes talk, so feel free to ignore everyone, skip past. But um, uh, you know. Uh, I think we can get to like the, the certainly the seventies and probably even the eighties fairly quickly. Um, mm-hmm. It's sure. really only until like the la- it's really only until the two thousands when I kind of there's something every year, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So, Blade of the X Men, I think, really kicked that off, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It kind of started like the modern age. Um, oh, I do have a final note. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you watch the bonus feature video? I did not. That's a well. I'll say that that's okay. It's kind of not super interesting, um, mm-hmm. but it kind of captures a moment in time that I thought was kind of interesting. Okay, um, well, tell me about it. Well, there's two things on there. The first one is just a. Uh, we should we should note we watched this on YouTube, by the way. Yeah. Um, pretty much all of these, we've done a terrible job of explaining when yeah. we watch these, but pretty much all of these are on YouTube. This one's a playlist. It's a 16-part YouTube playlist, and the first 15 are serial, of course. And then the last one is this bonus feature, uh, you know, ripped from a DVD, um, from a uh, from you know, a DVD printing of the serial, probably from the mid 2000s ish. I don't have an exact date. And the first thing, first part of it isn't that interesting. It's just the visual timeline of the publication history and the different media. This is kind of, uh, hmm. this is where I learned that the serial is actually uh, referenced in the 70s Captain America comic. Um, like Cap- Captain America, Steve Rogers like crashes the set where they're filming like the serial. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. So they kind of canonize this as like an in-world thing, which is interesting <laughs> and yeah. Raises a whole bunch of questions. How did how did Steve feel about the portrayal of Captain America here? Uh, unconfirmed, but I think I, I think you can make an educated guess. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, Grant Gardner got punched like he was Adolf Hitler. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying he's Hitler. I'm just saying he got punched like Hitler. That's all. Um. Yeah, maybe we'll cut that. Let's see. Um, Punch like Hitler sounds like an like an indie emo band. <laughs> yeah, that's a great name. That's a great name. Um, <laughs> but the second feature is the sort of interview. I say in quotes. It's really more of like a let me show you my toy collection from a guy named Wade who runs Wade's Comic Madness, which is a comic store in Levittown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right. And uh, he's a huge fan of Captain America. And it's really just like, it's not, there's no real production values to speak of here. It's really just a guy with a camera uh, filming Wade, showing off all the different memorabilia he has. (laughs) Um, It's weird. I mean, Wade seems like a nice guy. Weird, but runs a comic book shop and it's been very successful. Still open to this day. So obviously he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But just, just odd, you know, odd in a way that a guy who just collects Captain America memorabilia might be. 
And uh, again, not super interesting, but it kind of captures this moment in time. So I think it's important to realize this was like mid two thousands, an actual film version that wasn't, <laughs> you know, direct to video or unreleased altogether. Mm-hmm. But still, another half decade away, and uh, you know, it, it's a pre MCU world and and just barely pre MCU, and you and you just kind of forget how much of a cultural impact the character had, whether or not, you know, mainstream audiences knew or cared. He had tons of fans, Steve Rogers, Captain America. And like, there's like this, this whole wall of just, you know, different, you know, dolls and action figures and, you know, the different variations of the character. He wasn't always Steve Rogers. You know, he's he's taking, you know, different people have taken on the mantle over the years. And I think it just kind of speaks to the popularity of the character. I mean, yes, the MCU version is great. Chris Evans kind of embodies the role. It's a career-defining role for him, and uh, several of the movies are great. But the character itself stood alone, whether or not they made movies of him. And I think this is kind of an interesting uh, testament to that. And that's what I learned from Wade's Comic Madness in Levittown, Pennsylvania. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good point. We did kind of undersell how popular the character was prior to this recent explosion of comic book movies. Um, this is a weird memory. Uh, but I worked at Target once upon a time. And I was ringing some guy up. And he was buying, like, Iron Man toys for his kids. And he was like, you know, I never thought I'd see a time where everybody knew who Iron Man was. Sure. Um, and, and that always stuck with me. And that's kind of how I, how I view Captain America, too. Although Captain America, the name Captain America, I feel like, was was kind of a shorthand. America is such a memorable name. But I think everyone, pretty much everyone knew the name Captain America. I don't think know that much about the character. So I do think he was a bit iconic just for that reason alone. Yeah. Even even prior to the, to recent time. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And again, I think being tied to a war effort, probably the, they call it the last great war. Um, it's probably, again, I'm sure there was some, oh. I'm, sure, I'm sure in real time there was probably, probably some opposition, but historically it, it was, it's portrayed as like the last war where everyone kind of came together and fought a common cause. I think regardless of how one feels about you know, U.S. government over the years, and certainly Captain America has been adapted to kind of wax and wane with trust and distrust with uh, our political leaders, uh, he kind of stands as a testament to a better time. And I think that always has its appeal, no matter how cynical we get. I think that's a good point. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess, unless there's any other notes, that might be a good note to go out on. Works for me. Um, of course, you know we'll be uh, touching on Captain America again, um, <laughs> maybe uh, before uh, the 2011 Joe Johnston movie. Um, just depending on how we feel about <laughs> <laughs> other iterations from the 90s. Um, but uh, until that point, we're going to be trans- transferring our uh, our our ire and our awe. To another uh, huge, maybe the hugest. Um, he, yeah, the most popular superhero. Yeah. I, I absolutely would say that. Yeah. Um, uh, 1943's Batman and 1949's Batman and Robin. Not that Batman and Robin. Not the one from 1997. Uh, 1949. Um, it, it is uh, well, going to be a nutty time. <laughs> Can we expect a faithful adaptation of this Batman character, Ryan? I think you know the answer to that question. I don't want to give everything away, but uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Again, another entry in the uh, slightly overweight leading man in a goofy costume, which is always <laughs> kind of fun. Um, uh, but yeah, that'll be next week. And then another another huge superhero week after that, and then that does it for the superhero serials. Um, almost brings a tear to my eye, Jimmy. <laughs> almost, uh, almost. Um, well, uh, uh, I guess if there's no, no other notes to go out on, um, 
I guess this has been Pop Culture Historians for another week. Um, I'm Ryan. That's Jimmy. And uh, God bless America. All right. (laughs) 